Hello and welcome to Sleeper 2022, a series of conversations with the major players in the world of hospitality experience and design. Today, I'm delighted to introduce Dexter Moran, a South African-born architect whose London practice is celebrating 30 years of business this year. Coming up in London on the 18th of November at the Ahead Europe Awards, organized by Sleeper Magazine, we will recognize his talents and experience as Dexter will be receiving the Outstanding Contribution Award. And for that, we wish him many congratulations. With well over 200 hotels in their Palmeiras, he is something of an expert on the subject of hospitality experience creation. Within this vast portfolio are numerous properties for the big hitters, IHG, Hilton, Accor, and Marriott, plus of course, a host of independent properties. The range of his studio's expertise stretches into the fields of residential, sports facilities, workplace, and master planning. Together, these have a geographical spread that reaches globally from Caracas to Malaysia, right across Africa, Lagos, Luanda, Lusaka, and that's just those cities beginning with an L, and Europe from Porto to Georgia. Today, we will discuss taking chances, the importance of people, building a sustainable practice, plus a few projects along the way. I'm Guy Dietrich, Editor-at-Large of Sleeper Magazine, and this is the Sleeper 2022 podcast series. Welcome, Dexter, and many congratulations on the Outstanding Contribution Award at the Ahead Awards uh, in Europe. Thank you, Guy. Um, I'm very honoured to have been uh, put forward for this award and uh, quite chuffed, to be honest with you. Super. Well, we're delighted to have you with us. You started your architectural training at the Witz University in Johannesburg, finishing with a master's from Columbia University in New York. Um, But it was on the North Beach of Durban that you got your first hotel commission, aged 28. Can you tell us how that came about? Yeah, it was an extraordinary circumstance, Guy. I, 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 I was hired when I graduated from my external examiner who seemed to like what I worked on. And one day I, I, I was a recipient of a phone call, probably because I was the, 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 the last person in the office who <laughs> was free. And uh, it was a client who was looking to employ an architect for a, a signature site on Durban Beach. And I dutifully arranged a meeting for, with my, my, my boss and, and this property uh, executive's boss and uh, they came to our office and I remember sitting in the meeting and realizing it was a bit of a disaster because my my boss was one of those philosophical architects who talked uh, at, at that level and the, the, the boss of the um, hotel property company was much more recent MBA graduate who was desperate about just commerciality so I the next day I cheekily phoned the, the the gentleman who'd rang me originally and I said look I know that was a disaster but why don't you lend us the brief and let us see what we come up with and then you can judge it um, and I was cheeky enough to get that brief I then worked all weekend built a model I love making models and uh believe it or not I won the job and um we built it and uh, for a short period of time I was a sort of a minor celebrity because I was in all the sort of press as this young dude who'd built this 30-story beachfront uh, hotel which was very much uh, inspired by my years at, in, in the States and, and uh, Miami Beach if you like. Very good uh, I know the property well um, and it's, a, it's, it's certainly a, a big um, uh, standout feature of the, the beach there in, in uh, North Durban. Um, Clearly, you had an aptitude and an interest uh, in hospitality, uh, and today you have a strong focus on hotels. But why hotels? Why why did this come to be? 
it was just a really a, a question of circumstance, Guy. I mean, I, I learned quite a lot doing that first hotel. And uh, some years later, I moved to, to the UK, uh, struggled to, to, to set up, worked in a practice originally, um, actually managed to engineer a, a hotel project for them, which we didn't finally execute, but it was the Holiday Inn by Brent Cross Shopping Centre. And the g- gentleman who I worked with at IHG in those days liked me a lot, then subsequently moved to Woodbread. And I ended up doing a, a bit of work with Woodbread when they had the Marriott franchise and from that um, I was introduced to uh, the directors at that stage of Splendid Hotel Company who um, I did my first hotel with them and uh, they kind of opened the doors to the whole um, hospitality Ishmaeli community who are ubiquitous around the world and from one project went to another to another to another and um, we suddenly found ourselves, you know, doing lots of hotels to the point where the RIBA, who does an audit of chartered practices, actually said to me, oh, you, you're too exposed to one sector. And I was very worried about that for a while. And then I thought to myself, well, we're not a very big group at that stage. And um, it's almost better to be in the top echelons of one sector than being also ran in all. So I ignored them. And um, uh, today's uh, podcast and the award that I've had is, 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 is cognizance I made the right decision. <laughs> very, very good. You, you, you think it was more, more a question, though, of, of, of chance almost than, than real planning? It was. I didn't go out um, to be a hotel specialist when we started. It just one project led to another, led to another, and soon that's that's how it ended up. And I love it. I mean, I'm I'm very glad I didn't get stuck into retail or something else. And certainly sheds wouldn't have been as exciting. But I mean, the hospitality world is fantastic, and you know, it's a real privilege to work in that sector. You started out uh, with three of you in in 1992 in recession hit London, um, but you've grown this business now to to over 70 staff. Um, tell us a little about your your business ethos and and how you uh, put that all together. Well, thank you. Um, it's a question. Several things. One, um, I have we have a policy of complete honesty and integrity, and we have had a succession of clients that just keep coming back so if each year that you you exist you gain a few more people and then they bring you more projects and more projects you you naturally grow and and in growing there's there's two aspects of philosophy that i have is that um although nobody does it quite like you do it if you give people an opportunity they're bound to exceed your expectations and i have always uh, been of the belief that um other people help the team to grow. And I've, over the years, managed to find very good people, some who have been with me since they were graduates, even from university, and have stayed. And I'd like to think that we don't have a very high turnover, but we've we've grown with those people and we've helped those people grow. And um, the other aspect of life, I think a lot of people set up a business and end up becoming the accountant because that's all that, you know, that, that they get worried about it. I've always believed in sticking to the knitting. I'm quite good at what I do. And I've got very good people that are very good to round out the whole team of making buildings. And that includes fee billing and 
various things like that. So um, we have a succession of people that are, are kind of optimizing what they're best at. And I like to think I'm the same. I equally, I, I'm not a big one on titles. So you'll see, I don't call myself the MD or the chairman or anything else. I'm just a partner as are 18 other members of our team. And it's very uh, flat in that point of view and, and hopefully a really great place to work. Sounds like it if you've had people there for, for a long time uh, by your side. Um, when you say partners, they're, they're equity partners in the business? Yeah, we have actually, I've always been keen to share uh, the, the uh, ownership of the company. Uh, and it took a while to persuade architects who are not necessarily always commercially savvy until I pointed out that the person who was taking up the share offers every year was the accountant and maybe he knew something. Um, jokes aside, um, we now have 25 members of our team who have shares in the company. Um, I'm actually a minority shareholder in terms of, you know, 50% being a majority. And I'm very proud of that. And, and I'm proud of the fact that we have associates, we have partners, and we have even up and coming senior architects that we respect and see as the next generation of leaders uh, with ownership of the company. Well, that brings me very nicely on to talking about your, your name change. After 30 years, you're, you're going for a name change. Tell us uh, all about that. Well, you know what it's like. You start a company when there's three of you and you think, well, what should I call it? Well, I'll call it Dexter Moran Associates. And 30 years later, there's a team of 70. And actually, it's not me. You know, it's the team. And we wanted something that was a bit more inclusive. Um, there was much debate as to the way to go because obviously we had established a brand. Um, but um, We've had very positive response to the to the change to Studio Moran. It keeps a connection back to the 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 brand, but it moves it forward to um, being a, more of an inclusive team uh, effort, which is what we're about. Yes, it's very interesting for me. I've always just had you as, as a DMA, and uh, now it's Studio Moran. Well, good luck. Good luck with that. You suggested to me there were a few projects you'd quite like to talk about. Um, perhaps you could go through those and, and and tell me tell us a little bit about each one of them and and why you want to talk about these. Okay. Well, I mean, there's lots, but I mean, uh, three in particular. One was uh, a very important project to us was the Ampersand Hotel, which we executed uh, from about 2011, um, which is a, a very interesting boutique hotel in, in South Kensington. It was an existing hotel. I was bought by a client and we really transformed the hotel. And what was significant about the hotel is it was at the forefront for me of creating a, a, a design that was very much about the neighborhood story. So that hotel sits very much in its location, re referencing the facilities and the events around it, such as the Natural History Museum, the V&A, the Brompton Oratory, and all of those um, links are woven into the design of the building. Now, that was um, mainly an interiors fit-out change because it was an existing historic building. But obviously, we are proud of the fact that we did both the architecture and the interior design on that project. And um, that whole ethos of neighborhood story then became flavor of the month amongst many brands and amongst many um, projects and has has grown from that into so many ways that everybody approaches that now and i like to think that we were if you like at the forefront of that idea yeah well that's that's about a decade ago isn't it and, and i think storytelling was was coming along in those days for sure but uh, uh it was was not as prevalent uh, as it is now uh, in fact it's rather ubiquitous you need to almost not be telling the story perhaps um, because everybody else is um 
that 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 um, South Kent property that was quite sort of patterned and colourful and expressed, I think, a more more residential uh, element. But the, the same client, you did some work for them at uh, Vintry and Mercer. Uh, that's in the in the city of London, and that's sort of much more sort of bolder, um, or dare I say, it, masculine uh, approach, perhaps, to the interiors there. Well, again, it was taking the, the, the theme from what's around and and the Vintners and the Mercers are the two immediately adjacent livery companies. So those became the theme of the design. I mean, the Vintry was a different building in the sense it was a new build. So there was a lot more architectural involvement. But the ethos of the project around the neighborhood story is, is much the same. Just a different neighborhood, different story. Same owner who also liked um, st- uh, uh, light installations in his uh, stairwells, I noted. That was, uh, that was one of the small things that I remember choosing, the, the light fitting in both of those. And, and yes, there's a, there's a language that goes through these. Exactly. That's the, the, in, the, in the ampersand, it was the uh, Inga Maro um, uh, Birdies uh, installation. Exactly. And that's the biggest one they ever made. There you go. Just down the road from me here in, uh, in Munich, Inga Mara's uh, studio. Yeah. Um, let's uh, let's go on. You got another City of London uh, property uh, you wanted to discuss. A, a recent opening of yours last year, the Western London. Yeah, the the Western is a very exciting project for us, mainly because its gestation was eleven years since the first sketches I made, but also because it was uh, um, the latest of a project for a, a person that I've worked for for many years and on many different projects, and that's uh, Bashir Nathu of Four C Hotel Company. Uh, as I have with many other clients, but it's always wonderful to to have repeat business, as everyone will attest to. And uh, it was a fantastic project in the sense of being um, quite complicated. It, it it straddles over two roads. It has a, an incredible frontage to the Thames, and uh, it was a very complicated uh, building to execute, but is finally finished as a, a, a Marriott's first Western in London. And I think um, we're very proud of uh, having done the architecture and interior design of that project. Absolutely. I mean, very difficult. These two big roads, I mean, they're massive roads as well. And I'm sure they didn't close them for you while you got on with your work. Not at uh, all. <laughs> so that was a, a yeah. major job. Well worth a look at. And uh, and again, these views over the um, over the Thames are quite spectacular. Uh, 222 guest rooms there, nine private residences as well. Uh, it's a big yes. project. It, it's a very nice project, and one of the signature aspects of it is a fantastic leisure centre with a, with, a, with a pool, which I think makes a difference because a lot of city hotels struggle in weekends because they're business hotels. If you have a leisure facility, you can actually get that sort of weekend business. Ironically enough, it's 200 yards away from the Ventry that you were just talking about. <laughs> Your last project uh, that you, wanted to, you mentioned to me, uh, down in the south of France, yeah, I mean, it's what I call the one that got away. Um, and, and why it was m- important to me is, as, as a child, my father was in the um, screen advertising world. And uh, I, was, I spent many years of my youth going to the south of France and staying in the Carlton Hotel in Cannes at the Advertising Film Festival. And so I had a, a, a very warm feeling towards this hotel. The hotel was a, a, amongst a group of hotels that was owned by Morgan Stanley, one of their funds. And uh, they commissioned us to look at quite a few projects, one of which was this. And I was 
really excited. And in fact, when I first went there, I said to the manager, you know, I know this hotel probably maybe better than you. And he jokingly asked me to bring some pictures. And I found the old pictures. My father used to take lots of uh, slide film years ago. And so I had slides of myself at the age of six, seven, eight, those sort of ages at that hotel with my mum. And so it had a fantastic fond memory. And we designed a wonderful extension because there was a big site at the back of the hotel. And it's a beautiful old hotel that really needs to be respected. And we came up with a great scheme. And then the recession hit and Morgan Stanley exited the, all their hotel portfolio. And hey-ho, the, the local architect who we brought on to work with us, I think he, he took it on, on his own and is doing something completely different. So it was a fantastic project, but one, as I said, that got away. <laughs> you can't win them all. Um, um, talking of winning, um, do you think we're winning the battle on sustainability? Uh, and and what, are, uh, what are Studio Morin uh, doing about that? That's a good point. Um, I think nobody can be building or investing in anything today without sustainability at the core of it. I think all investors are insisting on it, uh, even if clients aren't as existing as much, but you couldn't borrow money, you couldn't do a scheme if it wasn't important. Um, And we've been doing quite a lot uh, over the years on that side, I mean, we, we've, we've originally signatures of architects declare as, as many of our colleagues. We've additionally trained two of our members uh, as passive house designers. Perhaps you could explain so, to us there, architects declare, uh, for those who aren't familiar with that. It's an initiative to, um, you know, deal with sustainability issues. And um, one of the critical things now, I think it's almost impossible to to knock buildings down. So the first, when somebody comes with a new project and it's an existing building, um, we, we the first uh, response is always to how can we convert this building to suit you without having to demolish it? Because obviously there's a huge amount of embedded carbon in an existing structure. And uh, that has changed the game to a large extent. And I mean, you've seen it in the press. I mean, recently there's a, there's a whole furore about the Marks and Spencer store on Oxford Street because uh, there, there's plans to demolish it and people objecting on the basis that you know, it's the wrong thing to do. And so um, it's very much that sort of approach. And we're also recent strategic partners of the en- Energy and Environmental Alliance. And one of our um, uh, rising stars, a guy called Brian, sits on the technical committee of that of that uh, organization, which is headed by Ufi Ibrahim. And um, uh, these are our, our initiatives. And uh, within the spirit of the team that we have, we've we've mandated two people within the office to be champions of sustainability, and they advise us on all our projects. And, and these guys, I assume they're part of the, 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 the group that are giving regular um, updates to, to the rest of the office, the rest of the studio, uh, exactly. about these, the sorts of things that are happening. Um, and I know that there's a, a new uh, BRIAM um, standard uh, coming up. Tell us a little bit about that one. Well, it's, it's related to the um, um, energy, uh, the EEA, Energy and Environmental Alliance. And, and so it's a question of developing sustainability tools and metrics for the hospitality and industry. And we feel that being uh, with Brown being on the technical committee, we're helping to shape uh, those um, initiatives. Um, so you know it's 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 a very positive thing, and on, on a small front, we've converted all our uh, parking spaces at the office to electric charges. <laughs> don't don't so laugh; it's the future. Money where our mouth is. <laughs> Too right. Well done. Well done. Um, 
just to, uh, getting to the to the end of the the, the conversation, uh, Dexter. Um, I'd I'd, I'd like to sort of touch on Africa. I mean, it's obviously it's where you're from, uh, South Africa being your, your country of birth. Um, you've got several, several current projects in Nigeria, Ghana, Zambia, Kenya, um, and you just opened the uh, Intercontinental in Lusaka recently. Um, you said in your annual review, uh, which is a, a very interesting thing you do each year, the 2019-2020 reviews, you said of Africa that it represents the world's greatest future hotel development opportunity. Would you still agree with that statement today? Well, I would. I'm not an economist. I'm not a, 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 an aficionado. I'm a simple architect. But it just strikes me that uh, if you if you look at the the number of hotels per capita, Africa is about a hundredth of what it is in Europe or the States. And you have to say to yourself, well, <laughs> this is going to change. Um, and you have a, a, an aspirant and growing middle class population across all of Africa. Now, we know there are all kinds of political problems in many places. Mind you, we've got some ourselves. But um, for that reason, I still think that Africa has a, a, probably the greatest potential for growth of anywhere that we can think of. Very good. Before we end, Dexter, um, you'll receive the Outstanding Contribution Award at the uh, Head Europe Awards in a, in a few weeks' time. Um, and someone who will pay tribute to you is David Bailey, um, hotel consultant at Resident Hotels, uh, himself with over 30 years of experience, including stints at uh, CBRE. Um, what do you expect David to say about you? Well, I hope he'll say nice things. <laughs> I do too. Yeah. <laughs> um I, I, I think he will um, perhaps refer to the, the, the fact that we've um, managed to build a fantastic hospitality team. I like to think the best in London. And uh, uh, the important thing about David is, in a way, he's independent. He's not one of my clients. He's a, he's a consultant, so I th think he can speak relatively objectively about uh, what he thinks about Studio Moran. Very aptly and deftly handled there, uh, Dexter. Well done. Thank you very much indeed for your time today. Um, confident, of course, uh, all about inclusivity. Uh, I love this idea of repeat clients. That certainly keeps a, a business ticking over. Uh, and you've built uh, something great over the last 30 years. Uh, we wish you all the best for the future. Thanks very much indeed, Dexter Moran. Thank you very much, Kai. Many thanks there to Dexter Moran for joining us for this episode of the Sleeper 2022 podcast series. Post-production is by James Green at Green Podcast Productions with promotion by Eleanor Howard. I'm Guy Dietrich. Thank you very much for listening. <laughs>